Welcome to the School of Radiance podcast. I'm thrilled that you have joined me today. Now, what is radiance? Radiance is the electromagnetic projection of your body, mind, spirit, and energy, as well as other aspects of yourself humming along just fine. How do we become radiant? Join the schoolofradiance.com membership for the cherry on top approach. How to enter a room and have people notice you at the right time in the right way for the right reasons. Have them be attracted to your radiance. This will positively impact your personal and professional relationships and allow you to navigate life with greater ease, beauty, and radiance. This is where I share my behind the scenes, body, mind, spirit, energy, and biohacking and detoxification practices that I don't share anywhere else. Join the membership at theschoolofradiance.com and enjoy today's episode on the School of Radiance podcast. Hello everyone and welcome. It is a pleasure to have each and every one of you joining Megan and I today in this very special recording here on the Rachel Varga podcast. And also, by the way, if you tune in to these episodes on the Facebook page or YouTube channel, make sure you subscribe and hit that bell notification so that you know when I go live because it's kind of random when I show up live here. And I, uh, it's kind of fun if you guys can tune in and ask your questions because this is going to be a very um, wonderful topic talking all about how to support our fertility, vibrancy as we age, optimizing our health for easier birth and postpartum, and how things like breathwork can help during the birth process and life. If you've been following me for a while, I love doing cold water plunging, getting the ocean literally all the way up to my jawline for about eight minutes. And to get through that, I absolutely have to do some breath work. Megan Coleman is our guest today, and she's a writer, herbalist, breathwork teacher, and certified birth and postpartum doula. She works both online and in person to support women's health and wellness during the childbearing years. So I'm so blessed to have Megan joining us today. Welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. Mm -hmm. And the first question I love to just ask everybody who joins me here to share their area of expertise to just help us be our best humans possible. You know, what are your most radiant clients doing? Yeah, that's such a great question. Um, I would say that my most radiant clients actually have some sort of spiritual practice that they tune into, whether it's um, breath work or meditation or cold plunging. I would include that in, in practice as well, or yoga. It's just, you know, there's something about someone who has a practice that it emanates like radiance and confidence and kind of like an intuitive ease. Mm -hmm. What is radiance to you? Radiance to me is probably a deep comfort in your skin and a connection to all that is. That's beautiful. Yeah. How do you recommend we support fertility as we age? And I think this is really key because we are living in an environmental toxic soup all the time, whether it's what we're seeing on media, whether it's what we're exposed to electromagnetically, um, you know, toxins in the air that we're breathing and in our foods. So mm -hmm. things like that obviously impact our fertility. And we're seeing 
men and women choosing to have children later in life and myself included. So I want to know what I can do to support my, this is a bit of a selfish question, but (laughs) how can we support this as we age? Yeah, that's, it's such a great question. It's something that, um, you know, I'm also in my late thirties and in the preconception phase as well. So it's something, um, I'm doing a lot of research about and, um, Besides, of course, living a a vibrant, healthy lifestyle, adequate nutrition, avoiding EMFs, detox, you know, all of the things that you would be doing to nourish your body anyway. Um, I think kind of the most underrated um, piece of advice I would give is to really know your body, learn your body and your hormonal blueprint, because everyone is so different. And so we're going to need little lifestyle tweaks here and there, depending on what's right for us. And I think um, the best way to do this is actually to practice the fertility awareness method. Um, So that is a tool you can use to not get pregnant or to get pregnant, um, depending on where you're at in your life and like what your goal is. But it just means, you know, keeping track of different biomarkers like your BBT, your cervical fluid, um, different, you know, parts of your cycle, your bleed, what kind of, you know, the texture of your blood, the color of it. It sounds kind of like, I don't know, a lot to keep track of, but it's really not. And there's so many things you can learn just through charting your cycle. You know, you can see if someone has like a thyroid disorder, um, if there's a hormonal imbalance like PCOS or low progesterone, which can, you know, impact pregnancy and your fertility. Um, There's just so much you can tell just through like charting your cycle and keeping, you know, track of that. And then you can take that information and be really empowered and take that to a medical provider or a Chinese medicine doctor or naturopath and kind of help to, you know, like, diagnose when something is off. And so I think just knowing your body, learning how to track your cycle, knowing when something feels off and you need like further support is probably like, yeah, one of my top tips for for keeping fertility, you know, vibrant. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned something great there to seek the guidance of other health experts and what we share here on the show isn't medical advice, it's educational info. This is designed to support you on your journey towards being your most vibrant, radiant human possible. And one of the things that I've learned in connection with other fertility experts is the importance of actually gut health. That's literally the first thing that some of my colleagues are recommending that others investigate if they're having some, you know, delays with, with getting pregnant. What's your, what's your uh, take on that? Yeah, definitely. That's so, so important. Um, You know, having gut dysbiosis and an imbalanced microbiome can actually cause a lot of inflammation in the body and inflammation doesn't allow you to get pregnant. It's an oxidative stressor and it actually can inhibit your egg quality, which is hugely important. You know, it's not just about how many eggs you have left, but the quality of of eggs that you have. And I think that, um, yeah, paying attention to your gut health is huge. And then also your gut um, helps you process excess estrogen and other hormones. 
And if that balance is off, then it can also cause like hormonal disruption. Mm -hmm. And if you're yeah. curious to learn more about supporting gut health and, and a test kit that's available, you can check out one of my interviews on the show here with Katie Moore and Naveen Jain. Naveen Jain is one of the creators of Viome. And it's an at-home test kit that you can check out. Just, just check out on the rachelvarga.ca forward slash blog. And if you type in Naveen or Viome, V-I-O-M-E, you'll find the interview on that because that's like a whole other breadth of detail. The key, the key element like in our body, our, our gut is a massive organ. And I did some gut, gut testing recently myself and I was actually really surprised with the amount of inflammation that came back because I would consider myself a pretty healthy individual. It's yeah. like, wow, I'm so happy to have been able to learn this about my physiology now and make adjustments before, you know, the yellow flags became orange flags and then red flags and then, you know, diseases and stuff like that. So yeah, 100%. I think even if you have the resources to do some genetic testing, that's huge as well, because you can even learn all sorts of things about your hormones and how you break down certain hormones or what uh, you may be at risk for. So testing, all of yeah. those things, so important. Yeah. yeah, there's another interview that I'll make reference to because these are all resources to help you guys out. Uh, that There's a really great one with Dr. Erica Gray, and that's the test kit with uh, mytoolboxgenomics.com. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there's some special codes and discounts in those interviews. They're just great resources. So yeah, I've, I've been doing all those things. Uh, you mentioned EMFs, and I'm always curious to see how different individuals are working with reducing that in their lifestyle. What do you do? Well, if I'm on my laptop, I try to not keep it plugged in because actually when your laptop is plugged in, it emits more frequencies than when it is not plugged in. So that's one thing. Um, never putting it on my body obviously is huge. Um, I have a little safe sleeve for my phone um, that I keep on at all times. And I always keep my phone on airplane mode if I'm not using it or expecting a call. Um, at night, just turning off the Wi-Fi routers in my house. Um, I think that's about it. I mean, it's, it's an effort, right? It's like, I try to ground a lot, get my bare feet on the ground, because that kind of balances the EMF exposure. Uh, so I've heard and I have a grounding mat on my bed as well. Yeah, I've even seen people purchase grounding mats for their desks and yeah. their laptops and their keyboards actually on that. And right. I think a lot of the doctors that I've uh, had on the show and, you know, they said sort of off hitting live that they've seen some of the research around all this stuff and they're concerned like across the board. I have yet to come across anybody that's going to say radiation is good for you. There's I know. Like no amount of radiation that's good for us. No, no, we know it. We yeah. know it. It's kind of like one of those things like the tobacco industry knew that tobacco was dangerous before the public did. And I, I have a hunch that, you know, telecom knows the same thing, but. Mm -hmm. It's actually funny right before this call, I went for a nice walk with my lovely mother-in-law and we're talking about some hot topics of today. And it's like, you can't just blindly trust the information that we're given because if you look back 
on the information around tobacco or what we should be eating that are coming from higher up. And then we look back on that, we're like, that was the worst information possible. So what's really, what is so incredibly key for us to do is right now more than ever to use our wise discernment, do what feels good for us, get more intuitive and in alignment with what supports our body, mind, spirit, energy. And I will tell you, it takes effort because I catch myself doing this all the time too. I'm like, you know, it's easy to be glued to our devices. That's why I literally have to leave the house, get away from any reception and stuff like that. So I really kind of escape that. Um, what's one of the most extreme things that you do to keep an eye on your fertility, to keep your egg quality high? Let's see. Well, egg quality is hugely uh, affected by our diet and lifestyle. Um, I I feel like oxidative stress is probably the most damaging um, for our egg quality. And there's a lot of, you know, supplements you can take, uh, antioxidants specifically. And then there's a great book called It Starts With The Egg by Rebecca Fett, I believe is, is her name. Um, and it goes into so much research around um, egg quality and even for people who are considering IVF and they just wanna boost up their egg quality in preparation for a transfer. Um, and she's got like a ton of resources there. Um, but again, I will say that it depends on your hormonal blueprint. So like one of the supplements recommended is DHEA, which can be great unless you're someone who has high androgens and testosterone or like a proclivity towards PCOS, uh, in which case it can throw you off even more. So I would like really emphasize again how important it is for, for everybody to like test and find the support you need to like specifically do what's right for your body. Um, as far as myself, I don't think I do anything too extreme. Honestly, I try to keep a really balanced um, lifestyle. And I, I sometimes even make, I guess for me, probably moving. I just moved across the country because I knew um, my lifestyle was really, really stressful where I was living before. And so probably, yeah, the most extreme thing I did like to improve my fertility and my health was to like cut my stress in probably half just by making a big move and kind of changing up my life. Mm -hmm. How do you catch yourself from not like slipping back to some of the patterns you had in your previous way of living that was more stressful? Oh, that's a good question. I think mindfulness really is just uh, slowing down enough to pay attention to what's happening in the moment and the thoughts that I'm having and the way that I would tend to overschedule myself and kind of overdo it. Um, but I think it just, yeah, requires like a real slowing down and, and staying mindful and kind of on top of it. Breathwork helps me with that a lot. It helps keep my nervous system just like down-regulated enough to pay attention. I love that. Even right before this call, I'm like, ah, Megan, I, we need to just delay this 15 minutes. And I, I did that so that I wasn't rushed between yeah. between things. I was able to actually get outside and get a walk in this morning with my mother-in-law, like I said, just to kind of take things down a couple notches. And I think it's really important, depending on where we are in our cycle, to talk, to acknowledge that, to be yeah. kinder to ourselves during certain times. And just, just so you know, Megan, we got 25% of the audience here on the show who are men. 
And these are typically like very smart, intellectual, professional men. And I just think it's so great for men to understand this about women as well. Like, yeah, we do go a bit nuts sometimes. <laughs> and it's not our fault. It's like our hormones. 100%. <laughs> run the Definitely. Show. That's, I mean, that goes back to FAM, you know, why I think it's so important to practice that fertility awareness method. Because once you pay attention to your cycles, you start to notice certain patterns about yourself. And then you can take care better to nurture yourself during those parts of your cycle. And you know, it is a biological truth that when we're ovulating, we're much better at speaking engagements and in social life. And then when we're bleeding, we're more sensitive or maybe on day 22, right before we we start bleeding, we're, you know, analyzing our relationship and picking apart our partner and having meltdowns. And that's just, yeah, yeah. sorry, guys. But, you know, it's like you can notice those things and maybe then like take a step back and be like, oh, it's day 22. This is this is normal for me, you know. Mm -hmm. And there's so many wonderful apps out there that you can use to track your fertility as well. And I love I I used to use an app to do that. And Mm -hmm. I actually haven't really been tracking my cycles personally over Mm -hmm. the last couple of months. I don't know why, but um, I do use different devices like the Aura Ring to track my sleep, Mm -hmm. looks at heart rate variability, it looks at my temperature. And I can actually usually tell when when I'm ovulating just by, you know, the temperature alerts that come through. It's pretty cool. It is so cool. It's amazing what our biomarkers tell us about what's happening happening in our bodies and in our psyche. You know, it's just, it's incredible. Yeah, yeah. All right. So how can we optimize our health for easier birth and postpartum? So birth can, well, gosh, pregnancy can really be um, a time of great vitality, but it can also be a time of depletion, especially if you're struggling with like morning sickness or, you know, fatigue. And so that's when I I really think preparing ahead of time is so vital and getting your nutrition really dialed in and your lifestyle practices and everything optimized so that you're going into pregnancy, you know, feeling more full of life and vitality. And that can just kind of continue. Um, One thing, if, um, if you're not feeling great in early pregnancy to kind of, uh, boost your nutrition is drinking herbal teas, like herbal infusions. Um, Nettles are one of the most nutrient dense foods on the planet. And drinking a strong nettle tea can be like taking a multivitamin. So you know, then if for nettles, you can forage for nettles 100%. Yeah, if you do, definitely wear gloves because they sting. Um, And then you would want to prepare them either dry them out or like flash boil them before you, you know, eat them. Um, I know what I'm doing this weekend. (laughs) Foraging for nettles. They're so (laughs) good for you. Um, And then, of course, you can add peppermint or ginger if you're feeling nauseous. So herbal infusions are something I try to get all my moms to do to to boost their health during pregnancy. Um, Another thing is working on your boundaries and learning how to say no from a really powerful place. I feel like there's this kind of weird thing that happens where when a woman becomes pregnant, she becomes a child of the village again. And everyone wants to like touch her body and tell her her all the give her all the advice. And sometimes that can be really, you know, 
overwhelming and and not what you're wanting and needing as a as a vulnerable you know pregnant woman. Um, so I think really working with somebody actually, to, whether a counselor or a doula or a coach, to kind of start practicing setting those boundaries up and um, getting that fierce mama bear energy, because that will serve you so well in the birth space and in motherhood. I love that. I actually yeah. ran into on this walk where I, this mountain where I live and all the stuff. I run into all sorts of cool people. And actually my nutritionist, I, I saw her recently. She just recently had her little one, but it was like, she was due any day. And mm -hmm. it's like, oh, Rachel, it's so good to see you. And thank you so much for not like just randomly offering all these tips of wisdom because you have no idea how often that happens. And oh, that would just drive me mental. <laughs> it's so it's like unsolicited advice. I mean, nonstop. And so if you if you haven't worked on that ability to kind of say no and like put up a boundary and and tune into your own intuition, it can actually like kind of throw you off. And, mm -hmm. you know, that's a time when you really need to be in yourself and like trusting your own inner voice. So yeah, I just thought of a really neat kind of um, tie in here to skin. So say, for example, you see someone and they look a bit tired. Maybe they got some breakouts or, you know, bags around their eyes. Do not tell them they look tired. <laughs> Do not tell them that their skin doesn't look very good. That is probably the worst thing you could tell anybody. Right. Okay. And it's so true. It's like, who decided to tell people to, okay, it's great to give unsolicited advice? Not necessarily. I mean, sometimes no. it can be coming from a loving place, all that stuff. It's like, oh, you don't look very healthy or like you kind of look a bit tired. Mm -hmm. But you never know. Like people are literally on a knife's edge right now that could send people over the top and definitely. definitely be checking in with some of the things that you might be saying or that people are saying to you, don't be surprised in people's responses, reactions, and even in yourself at this time, because these are like pretty, yeah, uh, there's no words. I have no words for right now, but do not give unsolicited advice to pregnant women. Or if you think that people that you know are looking tired or they're having an extra monsters that day, just please be nice. I 100% agree. <laughs> uh, there's our unsolicited advice for the day, but I oh, think it's 100%. good. <laughs> 100%. But also with some of my um, more mature clients, what I'm seeing an uptick of are their daughters or daughter-in-law or, you know, the younger generation saying to them, oh, you should, you know, get your lips done. Or I think maybe it's time for you to get, you know, a little top up there, mom. Do not do that, oh, right? No, like, yeah. oh, these these poor women, because the young generation like are on their cell phones. Like, these are um, my my clients are telling me that these are from women like in their early twenties and and their their late teens, and especially if you're a young woman listening to this, I it's just it's just crazy. Like, we're living in this world of perfectionism and and what you see isn't really a reality through your phone but you know don't give that unsolicited advice if you feel like someone around you's gotta you know get their skin rejuvenation top up like just keep that to yourself 
definitely. But that's so wise, though, that you that you acknowledge um, this kind of culture of perfectionism and to to not take everything you see at face value, because especially now that we're more isolated and more on our phones, we can kind of, you know, get a little disconnected from from reality. So good tip to to keep that distance from from yeah, perfectionistic attitudes and phone uh, filters. Yeah, my perfectionism bar, say if it was up here when I first started in the online space, it's like rock bottom. Mm. No, I'm I'm serious because before I used to be a bit of a perfectionist when I uh -huh. would speak, if you look at past videos, podcasts, it was like, hello, my name is Rachel. It's super boring, right? You know, I don't do my nails anymore. I don't get pennies anymore. I don't get my lashes done anymore. I'm like, I'm going super less, less that's fascinating so you actually had the opposite reaction mm -hmm. that I think that I would think maybe some people might have where you started showing up more in, in the online space and you actually started caring less yeah I just well number one I just wanted to expose myself to less chemicals and toxins right so if you think yes. about nail polish I do my nails yeah. and here I think my hubby's going to appreciate it Right. So now we're going to talk about environmental toxins that can impact our fertility. If you smell yes. it, it's in your brain. So I, you know, spend this time doing my nails all night, spending all this money on like getting a petty and all that. And my husband's like, oh, it stinks. Like You just like stunk up the bathroom with your nail polish remover and nail polish. I'm like, but don't you appreciate me putting the effort into this? It's like I do it. It looked good for you. Right. Also for myself. So I just, you know, keep my nails nice and nice and short and, and tidy because I'm washing yeah. my hands like crazy right now too, right? Mm -hmm. or, if, or if you're, you know, Megan, I'm sure you can relate when you're outside all the time with your, your shoes off, your feet get dirty. Mm -hmm. So a little tip I have to keep your, your nail beds clean is I actually use these um, complexion renewal pads. There's like they're like these impregnated um, little little pads with, with brightening acids like glycolic acid. There's some salicylic acid. It's actually one of my favorite um, acne products to use right now. So just send me an email, info at rachelvarga.ca if you want to learn more about the specific product that I'm referring to. I'm not going to say a brand name because uh, my recommendations might change every three to six months. So if you're listening to this down the line, you're like, Rachel, what's your best acne tip? It's funny because that acne pad is great for my face, neck, chest, hands. I did it this morning. And then I'll take the leftover of it and go in my nail beds. And I have to tell you, it's like my number one cuticle hack right now. A nail bed cleanup hack. Amazing. I never would have thought to use it like that. You're just full of so many tips and tricks, Rachel. I, I do try. Um, okay, so optimizing <laughs> or <laughs> getting back to birthing and stuff like that. Much more interesting things. Yes. So to prepare yourself for creating a human, what is that like psychologically? Like energetically, like you're making another freaking soul <laughs> energetically. in your body. What? Is yes, I think I don't. It is such a huge transformational journey and one that I don't feel like society really honors is that journey from like maiden to mother. Um, mm. And so I think it's really up to us to, to like, you know, honor ourselves in the process and really start taking care of ourselves as if we were already pregnant, as if we were already mm -hmm. in that space. And so that nurturing that we give to ourselves will naturally kind of um, 
be more easy to call on, like when someone else needs our nurturing, like when another person needs to be cared for. Um, yeah, I don't, I think we've just got to like, you know, stake our claim and, and honor ourselves the way that we would like to be honored by others. And then hopefully people around us start following through society picks up on it and yeah. So it just seems to, it seems that all of my girlfriends are popping up babies right now. And one of my best friends, you know, quarantine babies is like huge boo. We're going to look back on this. Right. And one of my best friends, Christina, she, this is her second child now. And I saw her a little while ago. I was like, Oh my gosh, you look fantastic. She looked better than when I had done like a whole bunch of different things for her. Right. And I was explaining, she was explaining to me what it's like for her to connect with her little one. And she spent a lot of time with her first child, Mm -hmm. really facilitating that connection. And she's just really felt it even more this time around. So meditating, kind of trying Mm -hmm. to connect with that soul that's, Mm -hmm. that's in so I want to get a little bit deeper on this with you. And I know that you're capable mm-hmm. of going a little bit woo in this topic, but how do you find mm-hmm. that women love to in or enjoy to, or in ways, how can they benefit from taking the time to connect with that soul that's developing in their own body? Oh, that's such a great question. Um, I think, think for people who have maybe never considered that before, there's a really beautiful book called Spirit Babies. And it talks about the soul's journey and how they choose the parents. And yeah, yeah, it's fantastic. And I think it can kind of start opening the gateway for for people that maybe haven't considered these uh, questions before. Um, And then it also has exercises in there, meditations you can do. Honestly, breath work, I think, is so profound um, for starting to tune into, like, your inner psyche, your your inner space of your body and, you know, energy system. And so I think you can start doing that even preconception, uh, start tuning into, you know, if you feel a little soul around you and you want to start communication getting out of the fate, like the head space and getting deeper into the more meditative space can, can, I think, initiate that communication easier. And then of course, once baby's already like in your body, my goodness, like touching your womb every day and just literally talking to the baby. I feel like, you know, there, there's research now showing that um, babies can hear and remember things that they've heard in the womb. And so it's never too soon to like, you know, communicate and connect. Um, but yeah, I, I feel like breathwork, meditation, um, the, the dream world, you can even kind of like set an intention before you go to sleep of, of inviting communication and then see what comes through. Mm-hmm. It's really interesting you mentioned that book, The Spirit Baby, because she was actually telling me that she was reading that she's like, Rachel, when the time comes for you, you gotta, you gotta do that read. And what you mentioned about kind of like feeling a soul wanting to come in. How often have you heard that? I always hear that all the time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I just had a friend who she was like, Oh, second baby. 
it's you know he's he or she like is wanting to come through i feel it kind of knocking i don't know if i'm ready um and then they kind of like whoopsie tried one time and there was the baby um so it's pretty magical i think that if you're attuned to it you're gonna hear it you're gonna know yeah yeah i mean personally i have felt that and I was doing an interview with this wonderful woman from Australia. We were just kind of, it was a previous episode. We're kind of talking about like planetary updates and kind of like some deep stuff there. And after the call, she's like, Rachel, there's definitely something around you. And I'm like, mm-hmm, yep. <laughs> but it wasn't the right time. So yeah. then there's also that component as well when it's not the right time to right. then allow that you know, individual to kind of move on. Have you heard of that as well? Yeah, 100%. I mean, you can even start communicating and say, like, I know you're around me. I'm not ready yet, but I will be ready. And um, is there anything you want me to understand or or learn or work on before your arrival? I mean, I don't, I don't think it's ever too early to like open that line of communication. Hmm. I just had a really interesting question pop up and what if a couple is unable to conceive, but they're still having that type of connection that you're describing? Have you also heard of that? Yes, 100%. And I have personal experience with that where I've been communicating with a baby for several years in my husband and I's wedding photos. There's like two big green orbs, like in all of the pictures that someone said like, oh, those are your spirit babies. Like they're right there. Um, And then I had a miscarriage when I got pregnant really easily, but had a miscarriage. And so that was really devastating. And I I tuned in and actually went to a spirit baby reader and and got some um, guidance on that. And And they talk about it in spirit babies too, as in like the timing is also important for the baby. It's not just the timing for the couple. So maybe the soul needs extra work to be done, or maybe the soul needs for something to change in the parents' uh, lives, or, you know, there's so much more to it. There's like a magical element to conceiving. It's not just um, the biological stuff. So I know and I'm sensitive to the fact that it can be really hard when you feel that communication and it's just not happening on your timeline. But I think that's when you go deeper into the surrender process and accept that we can't control everything. And there's another element to the equation, which is the baby. And they might have, you know, a different plan. So I think that as hard as it is to like hear that and to, to slip into that, I feel like it's just an invitation to like deeper surrender. That's beautiful. I love this. We're going pretty woo here. <laughs> I know. I was like, like a- not expecting that. <laughs> yeah. And I'm if, like, if I've felt that I'm sure that mm. other people have as well. And yeah, right. When I asked you that question, it's like a resounding yes for, you know, all three of those different answers. So I'm sure that someone listening is okay. Maybe I'm not crazy. hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. <laughs> That's kind of why I wanted to drop that in there. I like it. All right, Megan. So let's talk about breath work. How can breathwork help the birth process? You know, nervous system regulation, taking us out of that, that sympathetic state, fight or flight, and into the parasympathetic state, you know, rest and digest. How can we, how can we regulate our nervous system with breathwork? 
Yeah, that I, it's such a great um, tool. Probably the best tool that I found for birth as a comfort me- measure. Um, you were talking about sympathetic nervous system, and you know when our sympathetic nervous system is engaged, our liver is releasing glucose into our bloodstream to kind of prepare us to you know fight or flee. And like blood is rushing from the trunk of our body to our limbs. And that's this great biological, you know, evolutionary response. But in a situation like birth, you can't run from it and you can't fight it. It's you have to move through it. It's it's unlike any other type of pain where, you know, if you touch a hot plate or a stove, you know, you're gonna pull your hand away, you're gonna resist it. But in birth, you have to move into the sensation or the pain and the more that you can relax your nervous system and surrender to it and move towards it um, the easier it will flow Um, you really want to be in that parasympathetic state so that your oxytocin is is flowing through the body and that's helping your cervix to dilate you know and then that's also helping opioids to be released out of your you know into your body for, for pain relief. So yeah, calling on, there's different types of breath work. I mean, there are breath work styles that are stimulating and then there are others that are more relaxing and then some that are transcendental. And I think that there's a space for all of those in birth, but for the most part, relaxing is, is most important and like getting into that calm, calm state. And so really to get into parasympathetic, it can happen really quickly using the breath as long as your exhale is longer than your inhale. So even if, you know, just, it's so easy, like for a partner to kind of encourage this or a doula, you know, encourage breathing in for four and then holding for a beat and then exhaling for eight, that will immediately start to like tell your body that it's safe and that it can relax. You said a couple of really interesting things there, and I almost heard you use the word calling in. Yeah, you, you know where I'm going there. Uh, what are some of the things that people call in when they're going through that? A- apparently, I've observed this. I can talk about this stuff, but I can't make health claims. <laughs> On social, I'm not. It's very weird right now. Right. So let, let's just roll with it. <laughs> so calling in, what do you mean? During birth or during yeah. breath work? I like during birth, what have you, when you've talked to your clients afterwards, mm. what are some of the different lineages that they'll work with and call in that can give them support? Like, for example, oh. like praying to God yes. or whatever that God might be. Tell me a little bit about that in your experience. Mm. Yeah, I, well, a lot of people talk about connecting with their ancestors in birth and feeling, I'm getting kind of chills as I'm talking about it, but feeling connected to all of the women in their lineage that have come before them who are, um, who have given birth and who have made it through this huge, you know, rite of passage or initiation. Um, So yeah, I think calling in ancestors, if that feels aligned for you, I think that's probably the most like, um, practical answer. If you have a different kind of spiritual lineage, definitely calling in support from your guides and your angels and um, whatever lineage you feel connected to. It 
it's a very spiritual experience. Birth is just, it's incredible. You can feel the energy of the room, like no matter where it's happening, um, something shifts and into, into that magical state. Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to be shy about this. I'd be calling in all the support I could possibly yeah. get when I go through that. It's like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, if you want to help, you go right yes. ahead. Help me yeah. out with this. <laughs> and I think that's part of the surrender too, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, I, you know, I'm not doing this alone. I don't have to do this alone. I can surrender to, to help from outside of myself, um, to my partner, to my doula, to my mother-in-law or whoever is there physically. And then whoever's there not physically too. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. Um, there was one other thing that I wanted to ask you about that I kind of caught again, there was like a little thing that I, you were leaving little breadcrumbs with me and we're going there. We are just going there. So we talked about connecting to our support networks, whether that may be physical, non-physical, mental, spiritual, energetic, that's all good. But you also said to just go within. Mm -hmm. And something came into my awareness recently. I was listening to just an incredible interview uh, that Jenny McCarthy recently did. She definitely talks about some pretty interesting things with some pretty interesting guests. And there was something that was uh, mentioning mentioned by one of her guests recently. His name's Corey. And he was saying that in order for us to kind of... Um, next level, whatever word you want to put on that, we do have to go within and, you know, take this time that we have in our little bar bubbles, narcissistic bubbles is what was referred to in the interview. It was a really interesting interview. I recommend you check it out. Mm -hmm. And I think that sometimes it's good to just go into the stuff that can sometimes feel uncomfortable, like mm -hmm. childbirth, or when we take a good solid look at our shadow side, that there's some things that, you know, there's some work that can be done there and to not be afraid to do that, but, you know, do it when you feel ready. Like, do you feel that when women are preparing for, for uh, birth and through postpartum, like their shadow stuff is coming to the forefront shadow stuff, by the way, isn't bad, right? right? It's not like good, bad, light, dark shadow. It's just an element of your psyche. Carl, Carl Jung is uh, one of the, the, a great resource for this. Yes. Um, yeah, the shadow is more like the things you kind of put aside that maybe you've left in the little box and locked away that you don't want to feel or look at. Um, and definitely that can arise during pregnancy. It can arise during birth. You know, things that you maybe haven't uh, resolved can play out in your birth or your postpartum. Postpartum especially is such a liminal space. It's so vulnerable. You're, you're missing out on a lot of sleep. Um, you might be feeling pretty depleted from birth and um, from, you know, breastfeeding your baby if that's the way that you choose to feed your baby. Uh, it's just kind of a really intense time and it can definitely bring up a lot of um, shadows and a lot of vulnerability. Um, and so I, I just feel like if everyone started um, doing that inner work as soon as possible, <laughs> you know, it's just going to serve you well. And preconception is a great time to do it. But also in pregnancy, it's probably going to start to bubble up anyway. Um, and then if not, then definitely in the postpartum time. And so calling on support is just incredible for that. But then there's some things that 
maybe you you have to move through on your own and you got to sit with that might be, you know, challenging and uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. So not only are you getting heavier as you're creating a child in you, yeah. but, you know, some heavy stuff's going to come up. And I just really feel for people all over the world that you know, we're already having um, a pretty challenging time right now. Just things are, there's division all over the place. It's like, what can we do to dissolve this division? I think it really is going to come down to us um, to work towards that in our own, in our own special way. So how we talked about not giving unsolicited advice to pregnant women and new parents, but if we want to help people, what are some of the ways that we can, you know, provide support? Should we ask to help people? What's, what's kind of kosher there? I think asking, what can I do for you? Or, hey, I'm going to send you dinner. Where do you want dinner from? You know, taking the initiative um, and not taking no for an answer. I think that's really important, especially for moms, moms of all ages of children, specifically during this time, can, they need help. I mean, whether it's just, hey, I'm going to call in and check on you and like, listen to you vent for a little while, or I'm going to drop off a meal at your house, or I'm going to order something in for you. Um, I think that, you know, I, I wouldn't say like aggressive helping could be nice as long as it's not like things that somebody doesn't want, you know? Um, so yeah, asking helps, but I know a lot of women during postpartum, you can be like, Hey, what do you need? And they'll be like, Oh, nothing. I'm fine. Um, but you know, it might need a little like extra prodding. Um, but I, I think just showing up for the people in your life, if we all show up for the people in our lives, then, you know, that creates a ripple effect. And it's just, there's no better time than now to do that. Mm-hmm. And also, you mentioned something before, but I there's nothing wrong with asking for psychological services and support and meeting with a therapist. It's not a sign of weakness. In fact, some of the most um, resilient people I know have, you know, regular sessions with their, with their counselor or mentor or therapist or or whatever, whoever they work with. I mean, I do it. I'm not afraid to say it. Mm -hmm. I have to. It's Mm -hmm. something that's uh, really key in my in my self-care practice is to call on my network when I need them. Right. Definitely. And so if we see someone's having a really hard time during postpartum, they're exhausted. They're not getting any time to themselves on top of everything that's going on in the world. How can we gently, you know, suggest that they maybe have a session with somebody? Mm, yeah, that's such a delicate um, balance. It's such a good question. Um, I think, I feel like the best way to go about that is to be really gentle with it. Like, Hey, I see that you're having a really hard time. Things are crazy right now. I'm having a hard time. I know you must be feeling swamped and overwhelmed. I occasionally, you know, see a therapist. Is that something that you think you might want to do or that could help you? It's kind of like, you know, leveling the playing field. You never want to approach a person who's feeling vulnerable with like a pity or kind of a looking down on, but more of like a relation um, and like compassion. So I think approaching it really gently that way is important. 
um, and just encouraging them that it's not like, it's so normal to, to, even if you don't think you need, I see a therapist, I've seen a therapist for the last several years. I don't have any kind of um, diagnosis, but it, it's like you, it's part of my self-care practice. It's really important. Um, and I think taking the stigma out of that and just even talking about it like we are right now is huge. Um, but especially encouraging people in the postpartum time because that's just, gosh, it's so vulnerable. And I, my heart just goes out for mamas right now who are trying to navigate this time and this isolation on top of, you know, the journey of pregnancy to postpartum because it's just, it's so extra right now, you know? Yeah. Yeah. A really cool little idea popped into my mind. I love it when ideas just kind of flows. This is what's <laughs> so cool about these kind of interviews. We're just kind of rolling with it. But I've been able to see a number of women after they've, you know, had their baby and they, they finished breastfeeding. They're coming to see me for, you know, a chemical peel or a hydrofacial or, a, you know, skin boosting treatment. And it's just they're taking time for themselves and they're not guilty about it. And I'm so proud of women that do that because the women that I see that really struggle, they have guilt around taking that self-care time. So I just want to put this out there. Do not feel guilty taking time for your self-care because you're not going to be very capable of caring for others if you're letting yourself fall apart. So make sure that you carve out the time for your physical exercise, your mental fortitude, your spiritual practice, whatever that might look like. It's and, and energy balancing and being aware of what's around you and putting up those boundaries and you know, not accepting that unsolicited advice, just, you know, mirror that stuff right back. I, I do not want to even imagine how energetically protective I'm going to be, especially seeing one of my best friends, like how she is. And uh, I'm going to be taking notes out of her playbook. But what are your tips for, um, you know, women that, who are pregnant or if they're in the, the postpartum stage, how can you recommend that they get over that guilt of self-care time? Ooh, yeah, that's a tough one because there's kind of this like martyr energy that comes in during motherhood. Um, and so I'm so glad that you brought that up because absolutely learning to not feel guilty about taking care of yourself is huge. And that's something I do a lot as a doula where I step into somebody's house and I'm like, okay, I've got the baby. I'm, I've got something cooking on the stove. Go take a bath. You deserve it stay in there. I don't want to see you for at least another hour. And I kind of have to like force them into that. Um, but the beauty is that after, and, and I see this again and again, when someone, a mother specifically, takes that time to, you know, take a bath, go get a facial, um, go get her hair done, get a massage, whatever it is that makes her feel good, she comes back a more present mother. She's more regulated. She's calm and, and at ease with herself. And she's able to then give from a, a more resourced place. So I feel like we've got to change that narrative around um, self-care being some sort of extra thing that we just get to have if everything else is done. Um, because it's actually really vital to our ability to nurture others and to like show up as the best possible version of ourselves and the most patient you know, so I would say like working on that in your mind of like, hey, I'm doing even if you have to frame it like I'm doing this so that I'm a better mother 
frame it like that, you know, but just do whatever you need to do to take care of yourself. And that might mean, you know, demanding that your partner shows up in a different way and takes on some of the responsibilities or calling out for a nanny or a sitter or somebody to step in and and like fill your shoes for a bit of time, you know? And if you are a new mom or if, you know, you're a mom and you have some, some young kids or you're just, you know, someone like myself working professional, you always can make time to wash your face, put your moisturizer on, exfoliate your skin a couple times a week, wear your sunscreen every day. There's lots that you can do during the time you're making a baby and you're breastfeeding. You do need to avoid different actives like high levels of things like glycolic, benzyl peroxide, hydroquinone, salicylic acid, lactic acid. And I'm more than happy to help you kind of figure out a routine that is going to be able to meet your skin goals during this very special time in your life. But don't fall off the skin bandwagon during this time. Like literally, it's going to take you three minutes to wash your face, put your moisturizer on, put your sunscreen on. It's going to take you two minutes to wash your face and put your moisturizer on in at the end of the day. So don't don't glaze over that stuff. It's an important aspect of your self-care. Definitely. Those day-to-day things, those seemingly little things go a long way. Mm-hmm. I just have to say, when you were talking about going into your clients' homes and, and say, hey, I've got the little one, I'm going to make some food, go take a bath, I would love to have you as well. <laughs> <laughs> And just like your energy and presence coming to the home is just such a blessing. I can just uh, get a sense of that right away. So thank you, Megan, how can people work with you? How can they reach out to you? Yeah. So currently I'm doing virtual work in place of my in-person support. Um, I, you can find me at my website. It's www.birthandbeing.com. Um, I have a lot of free content on there as well. If you're not ready to book a session, but you just want to like, you're interested in some of the topics I've, I've spoken on. Um, there's a ton of content there, but I also am offering breathwork sessions and virtual doula consults. So that would be for anybody who's in the preconception phase, pregnancy, postpartum, all of it. I'm here for it. And, you know, some of, sometimes that means just, you know, emotional processing and kind of coaching people through what they're experiencing and and helping them have a context for that. And then sometimes it's education, like teaching on topics from, you know, nutrition and herbs for that period of time or newborn care or even sleep guidance. So yeah, I offer, you know, a variety of, um, you know, teaching topics as well. So just reach out and book a session. I would love, love, love to support you. Mm, what a blessing you are to so many lives right now to you know keep people strong and healthy and resilient and move through these really important times in their lives, not only their lives, but the new lives that they're creating or have created. So this is pretty important work that you're doing. And I'm so grateful to have had you on the show here, Megan, and for us to go a little bit deeper than we were planning on. But (laughs) thanks for being a trooper. I appreciate it. Oh, it's been so good to talk to you. Just effortless. And I'm so grateful for your wisdom as well. And um, yeah, thanks for having me. Mm-hmm. Do you have any closing words? Mm. 
Yeah, probably I would just ask everybody to be a little extra nice to each other right now, a little extra understanding. Um, yeah, this is this is for everyone, not just mothers and um, you know parents, but it's just a hard time and we could all go, you know, a little kindness can go a long way and a little understanding can go a long way. So mm -hmm. Let's uh, dissolve some of that division. How does that sound? Yeah, let's dissolve some division. Just be a little gentler. Let's just like find a little dissolving agent on that. Yeah, <laughs> I love it. Thank you so much. So check out Megan. Her information is in the show notes below here. It's going to be at the rachelvarga.ca forward slash blog. And this is just such a great way for us all to support one another. It's like, how can we share our gifts at this time? This is a tremendous time for us to really connect with one another, share our gifts, you know, why we're here, how we can collaborate and, um, and really serve people in pretty darn meaningful ways if you're open to receiving it. So check out Megan at birthandbeing.com. She's got some online consultation sessions available, some free resources, breath work. I love it. And thank you everyone for tuning into this episode here. It's just a pleasure taking this journey with you all. And I look forward to seeing you guys in the next episode here on the Rachel Varga podcast. Be sure to subscribe, leave a review. Let me know what you, number one, have loved learning about. And number two, what you'd like to learn more about. This just helps me make sure that I'm creating content that's very valuable for each and every one of you tuning in. So thank you so much for your time, Megan. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show. Thanks, Rachel.